You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. which can be found at www.financial.com. And I'm here today with my guest, Natasha. Natasha. Oh, Natasha. And I got to act on Natasha. Natasha. Okay, great. Thank well, you. Thank you for explaining. You. You're welcome. As you might have realized on our podcast, we disguise names to protect our guests as mm-hmm. we are divulging very, very personal information. Very personal. All of their financial information. So my guest today has decided on the name Natasha. Wonderful. Well, thank you for clearing that up for me. No problems. So give us a little bit of your background. Now, I believe um, you just started working in a new job. Is that true? Yes. I had a career change, um, late 20s, early 30s, went back to law school. Uh, previous to that, I was working in the entertainment industry. Uh, shout out to those in the enter- entertainment industry. Um, if you're familiar with the industry, you know it doesn't pay well. So for most of my 20s, uh, I didn't have a lot of free cash. What were, what, so let me stop you there. What were you making when you worked in the entertainment industry? So I started out making, um, as an assistant, $35,000 a year. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah, not not pretty, <laughs> not pretty. And thirty five thousand dollars a year. Where were you living? New York City. Okay, so unlivable, pretty much. <laughs> um, so then I eventually, after six years, I left um, making fifty thousand dollars a year. Okay, so that was a pretty good. So how long did it take you to get that fifteen thousand dollar jump? Um, it took about six years. Okay, so it was incremental on taking it? It was, yeah. It was a lot of, like, pulling teeth and finally getting a livable, not totally livable salary, but something that was better. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I made 50000 when I left. It's still, when I left, I was, I was at the, that time living in L.A., so between New York and L.A., it wasn't a lot of money in terms of being able to save. So when I left, I had literally no savings. I was living paycheck to paycheck. 
Um, so, were you, so you lived paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, were you in your work plan? Yes, I had a 401k. Um, I was matching. I think that's what you call it. <laughs> I was matching. You were matching? matching? They, I think they were matching. They were matching. I'm not sure who you were matching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were matching. Um, I think it was after three years, they would match. Um, and I think it was like at four or five percent. Okay. Um, so I actually, I had a good amount when I left the company after six years, I think I had about 60,000 in my 401k. And what, what got you into 401k on such a uh, small salary? Um, my financial advisor, my certified financial planner advised me strongly to do it because I had no other money coming in. Were you given a choice in that? No, it was not a choice. The decision was made for Natasha. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so my, so you were in the 401k the entire time you worked? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The entire time. Because your financial advisor strongly recommended it, (laughs) violently (laughs) recommended it, no choice. Um, was it worth it? It was because yeah, I had sixty thousand when I left. And, and how much did you have in savings when you left? Oh, I had no savings. I had no savings. Um, like I said, I lived paycheck to paycheck. And then what happened if you didn't make it paycheck to paycheck? I would usually hit up the rents, hit up the parents, the parents, ask them for maybe a, a hundo, a <laughs> Benjamin Franklin here and there, so I could eat or pay my electric. Um, interestingly, I thought that you know like your internet would be shut off after one month of not paying, and that's not the case. So, listeners, if you're monthly on your internet, don't worry. They're not going to shut it off. You could go, like, two months before it starts to get a little dodgy. Um, But, yeah, living paycheck to paycheck. Um, But, yeah, so when I left my company at a 401k, I talked to my financial advisor, and then we rolled it into an IRA. Okay. Right? (laughs) Rolled into an IRA. So that, that was the only money. You can disclose who your financial advisor is. It's you! (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's really the only actual money, like, pot of money I have to my name was that. Okay. Yeah. Um, So why did you decide to leave Enter? You were in music. I was in the music industry. Um, It is an industry that is a lot of fun, long hours, um, terrible pay. The industry itself is just hemorrhaging money. They're really late to the game on um, changes in the industry. So for example, when I started as an intern in 2007, they were still like, no, MP3s aren't going to catch on. Um, And then when I was there, it was the same thing with streaming. They came really late to the table. So by the time they finally do... Is that because you worked for for a major record label? Major record label, yeah. So they just, for some reason, the people that run it, um, no disrespect, they just, you know, it, it just the industry wasn't doing well, it's still not doing great, and there was always um, layoffs, always downsizing, never any um, cost of living raises, and never any raises, um, <laughs> no raises to be seen, unless, like, you were an executive, then you got, like, crazy raises, but nobody, nothing for anybody else, um, uh, but I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> not angry at all. Not angry at all. I'm totally fine with it. Um, but it was also a place I just didn't see myself really growing. Um, and I'd always thought about being a lawyer. Uh, don't come from a family of lawyers. So it always kind of seemed like something other people did. Right. A little far-fetched. A little far-fetched. And then after working in the industry for a while and, and gaining more responsibility, I was just like, oh, I can, I can do this. Like I can handle these crazy musicians. I'm sure I can handle law school. So it kind of helped to give me the confidence to, um, pull the trigger and, and do that. But well, so part of the reason you left was, was the income? 
part was income. It was like a amalgamation of things. But part of it was income. Part of it was job stability. Another part of it was I liked the idea of having a skill set that was mine, that wasn't dictated by the company that I worked for. So if I ever wanted to go out on my own, that was my decision and I could do it. Um, it just, it felt like that capital, a capital, sorry, a capital records. It, it was like your job, how far you could go, you had no say in it. And I didn't like that. Oh yeah, because it's, it's a corporate environment. And so a lot of it not only comes down to talent, but also the politics of the company, right? Yes. So yeah. you might be really good at your job, but politically maybe you're not aligned. So you might not get to the next level. Yeah. And like, because industry kept downsizing, there's fewer roles, so there's fewer places so more you can com- advance. Yeah, more competition for those roles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you went to law school mm-hmm. to three years. Three years of hell, yeah. <laughs> three years of hell. You were three years of hell. hell. Okay. Um, and so how did you pay for law school? Um, I had, I would call it the trifecta. Oh. I had um, part scholarship, um, part loans, and then partly um, based on my scholarship, I have an aunt who helped match my scholarship if I kept a certain GPA. Oh, okay. So that's great. Yeah. So what do you end up walking away with, with law school? How much do you owe? Because that's, because it's three years not working, right? Yeah. Three years not working. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you were old to go back. Weren't you like technically not, I'm not calling you old. Not old. Mature. She's mature. (laughs) Mature. But yeah, I was definitely, I was six years out of college when I went back. Yeah. Because you said you worked for the record label for a while. Yeah. So I was definitely older than some of the students there. Their classmates. Yeah. So it was a conscious decision to say, I'm making money, I'm putting money in my 401k, I make a living paycheck to paycheck, but I'm going to stop working and kind of pivot, if you will, and go a totally different direction. Yeah, I mean, I have no savings, let's add some debt to it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sprinkle that debt right exactly. on top. Okay. Exactly. Um, so, so three years of law school, and you still get a scholarship, you had... Loan that took out. And then you had a very benevolent, friendly aunt yes. who helped as well. Yes. And she's single, so any septuagenarian men out there listening, what rich old that? aunt. What was that word? Septuagenarian. Is that like a fancy law school word? It means like in your 70s. Oh. I am likely mispronouncing so it. So <laughs> if I ever see that on Tinder, I should swipe left. Yes. Do not. Do not like that. Do not like yeah. that. Yeah. That's a swipe left. So for all the listeners, say that word again? Septuagenarian? Swipe left if you're on a dating app. That means they're in, in their, their 70s. 70s. So hopefully you're not listening mm-hmm. if you're in your 70s. Yeah. Not that we have anything against people in their 70s. But you can always turn that debt around and get financial security <laughs> at any age. <laughs> so don't worry about it's it. Never too late. No judgment. Never too late. Um, okay, so so conscious decisions, student loans. And what do you get? How much do you take out in loans, like roughly? I think I took out about um, 60. Okay, so that's not bad for three years of law school. No, it's not. So the scholarship helped probably a lot. The scholarship did help, yeah. Good to be smart. It is good to be smart. Did you initially get the scholarship, or did you have to ask for it? No, so what happened was is um, because I didn't know a lot about the law school process, I didn't realize that people studied for the LSAT. So the LSAT is... Oh, you thought that was just like, you show up to Exactly, whatever. Just check that box. Don't worry about it. So for listeners that don't know, LSAT is basically like the SAT for law school, but it's super, super important where um, it's pretty much the basis of the school you get into and um, if you get loans. So I, you know, some kids will study for like a year and then take it, where I studied like a month. Um, Don't recommend it. But um, I think because I was older, I was really anxious to start. I was just so nervous that if I waited a year and then did it, I just wouldn't do it. 
um, do it mean going to law school? So um, I got into the school based, I think, on my um, professional record. Oh, not so much on the LSAT. Not so much on the LSAT. But what I said to the school was, is, you know, I don't think the LSAT was, and I spoke to the dean, um, and basically, after the first semester, I saw that I did really well, and I went to the dean, and I said, you know, the LSAT clearly wasn't a reflection on my academic ability, I clearly am doing well, I'm in like the top, you know, 15% of my class based on this GPA in my first semester, I want a scholarship, and if I don't get a scholarship, I'm transferring. Um, I didn't know if I was going to, but like, it's good to threaten that just because a lot of law schools have under enrollment. So they want as many students as possible. Mm -hmm. So basically she told well, I would imagine like anything else, it's sticker price, right? So exactly. They're going to get, well, kind of like when you're flying, like not everyone on the airplane paid the same price. So there's people that pay top dollar and then there's people that are paying nothing. Yeah. Yep. So what the Dean told me was that they will evaluate that based on one, the first year mm -hmm. and not just the semester. So I said, okay, because it would still, if hypothetically I wanted to transfer, that was still an option. So after the first year, my grades remained really well, and then I got the scholarship. So first year of school, I didn't have it. Now, do you think you would have gotten had you not asked? I don't think so. Why would they give money away? Right. You know, why would they give money away? It was away? good that you went and asked for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they always have some money thrown away. Well, just like I said, it's like a sticker price, right? So I'm sure there were not many people that went in and said, hey, I'm leaving if you don't give me a scholarship. Yeah. And the thing, too, is what somebody, I don't remember who told me this, but I think it's a good point, is that after the first year, there's probably students that had scholarships going in, oh, maybe it was you, <laughs> that lost them after the first year because their grades were so bad. So there's that money that's still there. So I just kind of reached my hand and I took it. That's good. Yeah. Less money you have to pay back. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So in all three years of school, uh, law school, so you're making no money, but you took out the loans to mm -hmm. afford it. So did you do, did anything happen with your monies from work? My 401k? Yeah. Yes. So um, my financial planner had me roll it into an IRA so that it was still growing and not just sitting in like a dormant 401k that wasn't being matched anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you know what happened after that? It made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so while you're in law school... We moved your 401k, correct, to an IRA. Yeah. It wasn't dormant, but you weren't getting matched. Yeah. And we converted it to a Roth IRA. Did you know that? No. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, so this this podcast is a little special because I actually know our guest, Natasha. Did I say it right? Yeah, it's fine. You can, you can tell me how to say it. Natasha. 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 Okay, I'm just going to let you repeat your name okay. for yourself. So we took, she had 60000 saved at the end of her career at the music, the record label. Yeah. Which I won't give them the shout out that you gave them. <laughs> um, and so you had 60000 so we did, we moved 20000 from IRA to Roth each year that you were in law school. So we had three calendar years where you made how much? Nothing. Yes, we just took out some debt those years. Not a thing. <laughs> no money coming in, which is fine. It's a, It was a great opportunity for you to go to law school. You got a scholarship. We're going to talk about your new job coming up in a minute here. Woo-woo! Yep. Happy camper over here. Mm -hmm. But so for that three years, we, we did what's called a Roth conversion. It's a strategy where you take money from an IRA and you move it over to a Roth. At that time, it's taxable, but because... My lovely guest, who I can't say her name, had no income. She paid no, <laughs> no taxes. So she not only didn't pay when she went into the plan, because as you know, 
putting money into a 401k, it's tax deferred, so you're going to pay the taxes later. Well, she already paid the taxes and paid nothing because she had no income because she was in law school. So a lot of people, when they go to back to school, like I just talked to another friend who's going back to school, going to grad school, has money from a 401k, has been working for years, and now going to go back and get an MBA. It's the perfect time to move some of those monies from IRA to Roth. Obviously, you always want to consult a financial advisor and a tax person, tax, you know, a CPA or an accountant, because there's different effects for all these different moves and every situation is different. So for this specific case, it worked for you. Um, so we were able to move the full 60000 over your law school. So it went from a fully taxable account when you retired to a non-taxable account. So all the money went from IRA, which is the same type of dollar as a 401k, into a Roth, and you paid how much? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think maybe you got a little help from family on that one, and maybe someone paid your tax bill. Maybe. Uh, maybe. It's possible? <laughs> yeah, it's possible. The rents, maybe? <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so then that 60000 that we then moved over from an IRA into a Roth IRA over the three years, which is called a Roth conversion. And so now when you are retired, because it's a retirement account, mm -hmm. you won't owe any taxes. So if we were to extrapolate that out and say that it was growing at 7.2% interest, that means your money doubles roughly every 10 years. It should be worth somewhere around 900000 in in your 70s. What was, that, what was the name for the 70-year-old? Septuagenarian. So when you're a septuagenarian, mm -hmm. you should have somewhere if the market, you know, participates and does what we think it might do and averages somewhere between 7 to 8%, you should have about 900000 that will be tax-free. That's great. Well, let's hope the tax laws stay the same. Yeah. But either way. If they do. If they do, you're going to be in a good situation. Drinks on me, everybody. <laughs> Drinks on Tosh over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we got that all taken mm -hmm. care of. Career change, went to law school, took out some student loans for that, mm -hmm. moved your 401k and did Roth conversions, so all of your money that you had saved – and that time frame you were working, the 60000 is now in a Roth rather than an IRA. Mm -hmm. And now what are you doing? Working. Yay! Yay! Getting a paycheck! <laughs> <laughs> and what are you, what's your new role now? What are you doing now? Um, so right now I started a job about two and a half weeks ago. I am an assistant district attorney. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That feels fancy. Yep, just seeking justice. <laughs> <laughs> How are you liking it so far? I like it. It's definitely different. Um, it, how, what's it, how does it compare to working in the music industry? You know, it's actually not that, um, dissimilar because you're dealing with a lot. What about the dress code? Oh, I mean the dress code, yeah, stuff like that, like I have to wear a suit, but you're dealing with people that, um, may be difficult, there's just a lot of personalities in the Oh, world. is that, you've dealt with a lot of personalities on the record label? Yeah, so I think dealing with people that are. I was kind of thinking about the fun factor, I feel like you're, aren't you in court now with this type of role, or? You know, it's actually, it's not, I think it, it's more, yeah, it is more serious, you're in court and stuff, but the personalities, people are really funny, because I think you're dealing with some heavy stuff sometimes, mm -hmm. and I think to kind of keep it light keeps you sane. And so you're good at keeping it light? Yeah, I try to, but it's, it's good. It's, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, it's different every day, so that's good. It's not boring. Not boring at all. And how did you decide on this? Because I imagine you were like looking, what was your, when you were looking for a new job, because you went back and spent three years to go to law school. Mm -hmm. You took, apparently you didn't spend much time on the LSATs, but you took the LSATs, you fought for a scholarship. 
You then had to sit for the bar, obviously. You passed the bar. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> that, skip over that. That was rough. Bad memories. <laughs> Bad memories. You put a lot of time and thought and effort into mm-hmm. doing a career transition. You didn't just quit your job and look for a different path, a different yeah. role. You spent a lot of time and energy on this. So what were you looking for when you decided to take a job? I imagine that you had some criteria that you were looking for, especially after you said you looked paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, um, I... I wanted to enjoy what I did. That's always really important. As much as I complained earlier about the music industry, I did like going to work every day. Okay. Um, so I want something that I liked. Being in law school, um, I realized that I didn't like a lot. A lot of the law jobs are research and writing. So you're alone all day. Okay. You know, writing memos, just researching case law. And I need to be around people. I'm very social. Um, I need to be fast-paced. And the longer I was in law school, the industry or the part of law that seemed to jive most with that was something that was in um, a district attorney's office or a public defender's. But yeah, money was a factor. I, I didn't want to come out and make the same I was making before, because what was the point, you know? Because um, was it hard to live paycheck to paycheck? Oh, it was awful. It was awful. Yeah, it's not easy. Um, what was the worst part about it? I would say the worst part is when you would go to pay for groceries and you would hold your breath because you weren't sure if your car was going to go, if you'd have enough to go through. Um, and just for like a lot of, um, like, like paying drinks for somebody or going out to eat dinner with somebody, like kind of always having a plan B just in case it doesn't go through. And does it taste it? Like I would imagine if you went out to dinner, cause I've had it just tastes like anxiety. Yeah. It, it doesn't taste, taste good. I used to say, cause I, when I started the business, I think I mentioned this on one of the other podcasts. It was really tough financially to 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 buy a business and, and get the business going, and so the food just never tasted quite as good when I didn't know, or I, I knew, I knew how much. It. It, well, I knew I couldn't pay for it. And I was putting it on credit, so it just never really tasted as good to me. Yeah, my my approach was always to see, like, think about the portion size because if something's like sixteen dollars and I can eat it in one sitting, I would go for something that was like twenty two, but I knew I could only eat half and I could save the rest. For ah, lunch so you split it, so it was like eleven. Yeah, so it's like okay, well, these are two meals in one. I'm not going to eat all of it. Rather than sixteen dollar expensive meal, eleven and eleven. Yeah, so yeah. That to go exactly. Oh, doggy bag, please. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it'd be like two meals in one. But um, yeah. So looking at the job, the public sector usually isn't as appealing to some law students because you don't get mu- as much as the private sector, like the big law mm-hmm. firms. But for me, being a little bit older and having had worked really crazy hours. I didn't see older like, being early thirties, like early thirties, very beginning of your thirties, very begin, very very, very beginning, beginning of my 30s. the start of my thirties. I didn't want to work a hundred hours a week, even though it would probably be like a six figure salary. It just didn't seem appealing to me. Because you wanted some sort of balance, some sort of balance. Because you already worked those long hours, already worked those long hours, and especially knowing that it was just going to be a very specific type that. I think I'd get really good at that one skill, but I probably wouldn't grow beyond that skill set. You're kind of like, and I mean, I, I can't really speak to it, I haven't done it, but it seems much more like you're a cog in the machine. Okay. And we're not here to help you grow that much beyond what exactly what we need from you. Got it. But we're going to okay. pay you a lot of money. I didn't want that. Okay. So, um, like I said, the longer I was at law school, the more it seemed like something in a district attorney's would fit me mm-hmm. in terms of my personality, what I was looking for. Um, I found a position that paid you know not six figures but something that I thought it was definitely more than what I made before um it would be enough where I could um have an apartment and then start saving because I would like to 
have a house someday and I just want to have a job where it's like, well, at least I can start putting some money away a month and also pay for loans. Okay, so what so you're so you're looking for something where you had work life balance, you made more money than you did before because you don't mm-hmm. want to live paycheck to paycheck, and that maybe gave you the flexibility to save for some so what are your financial goals? Buy a house? Yeah, I'd like to buy a house I think by I'm thirty two now. I think by like thirty eight. Like, six years, I think, is, like, pretty... I think you could probably do it sooner. Oh, good. Okay, I thought you were going to say longer. I was like, no. Um, I don't want to rent anymore. 50. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think... You know, let's just say, so you do not live in a city. No, I live in the Hudson Valley. Okay, so you're upstate. Beautiful Hudson Valley. Yeah, upstate. Give us a little quick ad for next week. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. The PCP ravaged Hudson Valley. <laughs> don't drink the water. Um, so, yeah, so it's definitely cheaper uh, in terms of cost of living... Um, I can tell you how much my apartment is. Yeah, so how much are you paying in rent? So I have a one-bedroom apartment. It's 900 square feet. It's 1,200 square feet. 900 square feet? It's spacious. <laughs> it must be very different than when you were in the city. Yeah. Or L.A. Too, yeah. Right? I had a studio in L.A. It was teeny tiny. Um, it's actually funny. I paid the same in L.A. as I do here, and my apartment's like two and a half times the size. Wow. Um, but, yes, yeah, 1,200. Um, and what was interesting is I don't – you told me this. I don't know if you remember the name of the website, but when I was looking at the job, because you know you have like the base salary, but definitely with me, I didn't think about like, oh, they take out money for this and this. Oh and yeah, taxes. The, the IRS is your partner, taxes. Yeah, so you were like, there's this website where we put everything in, and it'll say what your take home was. Yes, and that was that so is helpful. true. Yeah, because there's a really big difference between gross, which is that really pretty number they give you on that offer letter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that tells you how much you're gonna make, and you're like, I'm rich. And then the reality is they take out money for everything, everything, <laughs> taxes, healthcare, hopefully you're putting money in your retirement, retirement plan. Yeah. And then now you're a government employee. So they yep. take money out for something else too, right? Uh, I, for your pension. Pension. Maybe? Yep. I do defer. Do you have to do dues? I don't know. Maybe. Did, have you looked at it? I'm not in the union. Okay. Yeah. Not in the union. But yeah, so we, it's always important when you get your offer letter to actually run the numbers and see what you're going to actually be putting in your bank account yeah. with your paycheck. Because it's a very different number. Very different. And it was helpful because that's when I was looking at apartments. Okay. And I wasn't sure. It was just helpful to see, like, oh, okay, so this is my take-home. So what can I realistically afford in terms of rent? Right. And how much are your student, no, student loans? Besides rent, what's your next biggest bill? Student loans. Okay. And how much – I was going to ask, how much is that? They're um, about – so one is four fifty a month. The other one I think is going to be about two fifty or three hundred a month. Okay. And that's if I'm like very aggressive, which I want to be. Okay. And then how long do you think it'll take you to pay them off? I think if I keep up with that, I could probably have them paid off less than ten years, if not how sooner. How much do you owe? About now I owe about thirty thousand. Okay, because so you you took out about sixty thousand total. Yeah. How did you get from sixty to thirty? That single old rich aunt. She let me, um, she pay and then I'm paying her back with no interest. Oh, so you're, so you still, do you still owe 60? Um, she basically was like, pay off the ones with the loans. And then. And then you can pay me back. And then we'll talk to her. Talk to her and we'll figure something out. So for now, I'm just focusing on the 30,000 with the interest ticking up. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how many actual loans do you have? Because the trick with student loans is they give you one payment. And you think that you have one payment for one loan, and typically you have to go in and look at it. And oh, it's, they are sneaky son of yeah. bitches. Great Lakes Bar, I'm looking at you, you fuckhead. Um, I don't know if I can curse in here. 
But yeah, so uh, they're actually one of the worst. Awful. Awful. Can I just vent for a second about yeah, this? Yeah, go for it. So at Great Lakes, I only have one there now and one with um, another company. I can't think of the name. But Great Lakes. Sally May? No. It's something. Nailnet? It's not like a well known one. Okay. We do a six-month follow-up, so you can... Yeah, it hasn't kicked in yet. That's why I think I don't know. That doesn't mean that you don't have to pay it. There could be interest growing on it. Shut up! <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Okay, so the trick of student loans is they're not in this to be your friend. They are in this to make money. Yeah. And so we'll let you do your vent in a minute. But with the one that you just said that didn't kick in, that does not mean that that is not growing. Mm -hmm. That just means that they haven't asked you for money yet, and they're giving you the time to get them the money, which most likely means they're making money off of you while they're waiting. While you, mm -hmm. while you think they're being, like, so gracious, being like, oh. Take nine months take off. Take nine months yeah. off. They're going to be charging you. That's yeah. not, like, a free period. Not always. I mean, some loans, it's possible it is, but I would say generally when it comes to private, it's probably not a free period of mm -hmm. time. Even they call it a grace period. Like, they could still be charging you interest. See, that's what's misleading about the name grace, per grace period, because I always thought it was, we're not going to do anything because we're going to give you time to find a job and then we'll start charging you. But they, that wasn't, but, but I mean, that's misleading, right? Like it's not crazy for a student to think, Oh, grace period. Like, no, that no, I agree with you. I, I think it should be called what it is, which is you don't have a, a payment due, but we are charging you. Yeah. We don't care. We, we are heartless. <laughs> You're heartless and greedy. Okay. So what happened with your student loans? So with um, great lakes. Yeah, it was, three loans within that company, which when you log on, it's not completely obvious. So I went to pay off one loan and they wouldn't let me, which is insane. What? That's crazy. Which is, yeah, I was like, well, I don't understand. I want, I'm like. And this is the one your aunt was going to pay? Um, yes. Okay. And I was like, I am prepared to pay this today. I have the card number, whatever it was. Are you ready? And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. We can't take that. I was like, what That's about? Yeah, I was like, I want to pay off this. What do you want? So basically what they said was is if you want to pay something above what your monthly um, due is, so mine was like 428. Okay. First you have to pay the 428, then you can pay off Were you late on payment? No. What? No. That's just the rule. And they said it was And where does the how is the 428 applied? It's applied to all three of your loans. Yes. It's not applied to the one you want to pay off. What? Yeah. And, and how much is applied to the 428 to the one you want to pay off? Do you have, do you have any control over I don't that? think I do. No. No. And then what was weird is like they're like. That is so strange. It's very strange. And it doesn't make any sense. And when I asked, it was like a mandate by the Department of Education. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. For the record, I have no idea what the Department of Education's mandates are, but just going on basic banking rules, typically if you're paid up, you can just make a principal-only payment, which sounds like that's what you were trying to do. That's exactly what I was trying to do. You want yeah. to pay off the principal that you owed on a loan. Student loans are typically, and I say this with a grain of salt, but typically a protected class of debt, so because you, it's very difficult to discharge in bankruptcy, they have to normally or most likely allow you to pay off principal, which is the amount you originally borrowed. So you went in and said, my lovely aunt decides to give me money. I want to pay off one of these in whole. And they said, no. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that sounds too logical. We're not going to let you We'd do rather that. charge you 8% interest. Yeah. What so company is this? Great Lakes. Terrible. Fuck you, Great Lakes. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to curse on this, but maybe you can go ahead and keep You're bad people. Um, so they, but what was so crazy too is so I was like, okay, so I'll pay off this 
random number amount. And so then you had to pay the four twenty eight. Had to send a check for four twenty eight. Okay. Once that was applied, then I could pay off that specific loan that I wanted to pay. But here's the catch too. The monthly, like the clock for that monthly payment. Oh, the cycle for your the cycle. Your yes. Loan payment. Thank okay. you. It starts on the seventeenth. Like. It would be too easy to start on the 1st or, like, the 31st, right? Yeah, like, that would be too easy. <laughs> is it the 17th at, like, midnight? I who knows. It made no sense. So it was, like, if Why I... Why did I come up with the 17th? I think they're, like, what's the most complicated random date we can think of in a month? I know the 17th. Um, and they, I mean, it's my birthday. I like the number It 17. is your birth date, but... Right. Okay, yeah. random day. Um, so they what they said is, let's say, hypothetically, I had paid the 428 on the 17th, and then I went to call the 18th and was like, okay, now I'm going to give you money to apply to this one loan. Because the new cycle would have started, I'd have to pay the 428 again. Oh, so you have to pay, like, almost $900. Yes. Before you can. Then pay off a loan. Yes. When you have the money available. Yes. And that's why they are pure evil. It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Now, you went to law school, so you have to be somewhat smart. Did this seem easy? No. I, the thing is, I had you explain it to me. And then I called them. Well, this is more complicated than I thought it was going to be. It was, yeah. I was on the phone with them for so long. And it's one of those things where it's not logical. So you think you're crazy and you think you're misunderstanding it. Kind of reminds me a little bit of dating. Yes. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> and that's what it felt like. If you ghosted, I don't understand. I don't get it. I thought we were having a great <laughs> Tinder conversation. You laughed at all my jokes and now you're gone. But... You see, it wasn't making any sense, and every time, I, <laughs> it's relatable, right? And every time, I, it just, yeah, I was on the phone for so long just because I had to have this guy keep explaining to me over and over because I felt like something wasn't clicking in my mind. And I was like, I'm not a stupid person. This isn't making any sense. So I can't imagine, you know, I don't think I'm that smart, but it's like, I'm in my 30s, I had a job, I did well, I'm not an idiot. I can't imagine, like, a 22-year-old with no job experience. You know, like, they talk you into circles, and then you have no idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I can't imagine calling up a student loan company where the, you're allowed to pay off a loan, because it's not, it's a student loan. Yeah. So it's protected. It's yeah. supposed to always allow for principal-only payments, and you're not late. I could, I could see if you're late, right? Like, you haven't paid them in six months, you're like, hey, 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 yep. you owe us a lot of interest. Before you pay it off, you need to get squared away here. But if you were paid up and you just called up and like, oh, I want to make pay off a loan, and they're like, no, 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 pay our regular payment, yeah. and that regular payment would be based on your actual payoff period, right? Yeah. So this is what's crazy too. So let's. So once I paid off that loan, when I log into my um, Great Lakes Borrower account, um, it says that I'm paid up until twenty twenty two. So this is the biggest, and I've seen. You're not the first person I've seen this with. But um, I've seen it with other people. So what they do is rather than adjust your payment mm -hmm. down and say, okay, like now you only pay because you've just paid off a chunk of money. Now you're only going to pay, let's say, like 200 something dollars a month and you'll be paid up in 10 years. They just say you don't owe for you don't owe for eight years. Yeah. But we're going to accrue interest for those eight years. And then when you start paying, you're going to pay 400 something for the next 10 following. Yeah. Or something ridiculous. Like it's, that. it's a racket. It's an absolute racket. So when's your next payment due? Um, like April 20th, 20,000, or 2022. <laughs> like, what, it's like, like, what year is it? That's four years from now. But it's, the thing is, when you log in, and it's like, next payment due, like, 42860 due, 
April 20th, I can't even say it, 2022, 2022, and I was like, oh, great, and then of course, my dad was like, no, idiot. Like, they're doing that because for four years, you're going to have According to you, they're going to accrue interest. interest. And the trick with student loans that not a lot of people know, and hopefully we'll introduce someone else with them, but they do this thing called capitalization of interest. Did, did they tell you about that? Is that where the interest is based on what has grown and not what the initial amount was? Yes, it's similar. Okay. So what happens is, so let's say you borrow 10000 mm-hmm. and then the interest is 6%, so it's accruing the 6% interest. And then you, you don't pay all 6% interest. So then they take the amount of interest that grew on it that you didn't pay and add it back to that 10000 and then recalculate the 6% on the 10000 plus the interest you didn't pay. I don't get how any of this is legal. This is <laughs> hey, unbelievable. Hey, you're a lawyer now. Yeah. You could help fix this. Yeah, just me versus the Department of Education. <laughs> no kids. Hear that, Betsy? I'm coming for you. Betsy DeVos. Um, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And like I said, I think as somebody who has... Um, financial planners in the family. I've had, you know, work experience. I feel like I'm somewhat mature. It is something that is so anxiety inducing and so above and beyond what I can understand that I can't imagine for somebody who's straight out of school and has no help with this. It's no wonder. Like, yeah, so this is something we should definitely look at because you don't, I agree with what your dad said, like, you don't want to wait till no. 2022. It'll be, like, triple the size. I, I, it just... It's, yeah, it, it keeps growing. You have to think yeah. about it. It's just, like... It's a monster. It's a monster. Yeah. So I'm happy to sit down and look at you, but you should probably, since you already got your aunt to help you pay off a chunk of it, you can probably get the $25,000 paid off. I would say reasonably with your... If you're, what's your uh, annual salary? Um, 68000 Oh, okay. And your rent's 1200 and then this loan is your biggest... Biggest, yeah. Biggest thing. So, yeah, and I think what you could do is probably get it paid off in probably five five or six years. Yeah. Get the whole thing squared away, and then you could use the rest of that money, or maybe you can get it done a little sooner, and then take what you were putting towards that, and that could go towards a down payment. Oh, yeah, that would be good. a down payment. Yeah. Because especially where in the area you're in, you can probably get something, and you could do a first-time home buyer. So I don't think you have to wait until you're 38. Okay. But we'll have to get you on a payment for the loans. Okay. Yeah. And maybe if you pay what you originally were supposed to and start not in 2018, not in 2022. Is that what you said? To, or 2020? No, 2022. Oh, 2022. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got it right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you start doing that now, maybe you split and put 100 or 200 towards the down payment money and then the rest goes towards the loan. But we could look at it and see what makes the most sense. Okay. Maybe you tackle the loans and like really go hard at it for three years and then that gets you to 35 and then you save for two years for a down payment. Yeah. I feel like I'm still so used to being on my law school budget that I think that's something that I could probably... Well, if you're used to the budgeting, it's like the hardest thing, I I think I've said this before, but the hardest thing is getting into the habit of the budget. It's like Mm -hmm. any other habit. It's like once you get into it, it's easy to stick with it and getting, forming the habit can be the tricky part. Yeah. Like I, I don't... I bring lunch every day. I cook my own dinner. Great. I think my biggest indulgence is like three times a week, I'll let myself get a coffee. Out. Yeah, like I'll pick one up in the morning to bring to work. Because for some reason, whenever I make coffee, it just doesn't taste good. That's impossible. Gang, do you have that problem? It's never good. I have a drip thing. I don't get it. I do two tablespoons. It doesn't taste good. I do three tablespoons. It's just, I don't get it. So three times a week, I let myself Do you have free coffee. coffee at work? No. That's, really? No, we don't, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, fair. Well, let's take a look at your budget. Figure okay. out the student loans, because I definitely agree with you. It sounds like the provider you have is pure evil. 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 How can you... I won't get up on my soapbox. Okay. <laughs> well, take a look at your student loan, see exactly how much you have remaining, what the interest rates are, and then the next goal you said for you is to want to, you want to save for a house. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
And they have some savings, but I think that's something to add. Well, you see, we've gotten to the deferred comp at work. Yeah, and then deferred comp at work. And you already have, and how much, you already have the money saved in your former 401k from the music label. Yeah, it's bigger now. Do you know what it is? I think it's somewhere around 85, 86. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, and that's from just from your work experience for the first 10 years, or... Wasn't ten years because you six years, six yeah. Years, but then okay. it grew while you were in law school, yeah. and you converted it in law school. So even though you didn't put money into it, that was a really good strategy. Yeah. Okay. It was a good strategy. It was a good, I'll take, <laughs> Thank you. You're you welcome. Full credit for that. I'll take full credit for that strategy. Okay, so then we just need to figure out how much to put in your deferred comp. So because you just started working, how long ago? Not long. About two weeks. Yeah. Okay. So Still we'll fresh. take we'll take a look at your benefits at work and make sure that you have you're in all of those. We'll take mm-hmm. a look at your student loans. And we'll work towards saving for a house. Yeah. So we'll do. You'll be one of the six month follow up. That'd be great. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being a guest. Natasha had a great time. <laughs> Natasha had a great, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll hopefully tackle this pure evil loan company. Oh, great Lakes. Die slow death. One of them has a lawsuit. One of them. I don't think it's. I don't know if it's Great Lakes. Is it Fannie like, Mae or Sally Mae or? It's not Fannie Mae. Um. I can't remember. Maybe it is Great Lakes. One of them had a class action. No, I think it was Navient. Is that, okay. the other, is that your other provider? Mm-hmm. Oh. One of them had a class action lawsuit, or maybe one was in the process or trying to put one together because they're just so predatory. It's That's the perfect word. It's predatory. Yeah, it's absolutely predatory. Yeah. They, they're not trying to help you. No, they're not. But anyway, so thank you for being... <laughs> I know, we can could, we could talk about how terrible student loans are. Tune into our separate podcast. podcast about how terrible <laughs> student loans are. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, and once again, this is the Financial Podcast, and you can check out our class. And we have a whole section on student loans and how to pay them and how to tackle them, which is exactly what I'm going to go through with you one-on-one. And that's at um, www.financial.com. So thank you for being with us. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.